0: You've looked for guidance from doctors, public health officials, and human resource gurus on how to get your employees vaccinated. Maybe one of the people you should listen to is an anthropologist. Heidi Larson has studied how populations around the world have accepted or rejected many vaccines over the years. You know, we tend to think if people don't
1: sign up for vaccines, they're, quote, anti-vax. And that's really not
0: what's going on in a number of cases. Hi, I'm Irene Silber. This is one in a series of podcasts which are part of the Vanguard Vaccination Project. Today, the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta talks with anthropologist Heidi Larson, who runs a London-based organization focused on building confidence in vaccines.
2: Heidi, let's begin with you. Tell us about that journey from anthropologist to vaccination expert and advocate. How did you get from there to here?
1: Well, I had initially wanted to become a a medical doctor and actually a biomedical engineer, which is kind of um, a bit pretty far from anthropology in some ways, but not in all. And I ended up Um, realizing that I was much more interested in kind of the human factors that affect health. And I've pretty much dedicated my anthropological work to health um, uh, over the years, child health primarily, child development, and then uh, spent um, many years in working on AIDS Um, My own earlier research was on adolescence and uh, when uh, AIDS hit, I did a lot with sexual and reproductive health uh, issues with teenagers because, um, but as we know, adults are probably as um, emotionally uh, driven as teenagers sometimes, Um, but that other things affected our health choices besides the Evidence. I should say, besides the scientific evidence, because people have their own notions of evidence. And um, I had been in UNICEF for several years in different countries with Save the Children, and then went to WHO in uh, TB and then communicable diseases. And when uh, Gavi, the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunization, was being born, uh, UNICEF asked me to come back to work on the um, communication immunization strategy, uh, because introducing new vaccines is quite different as we see now with COVID than routine vaccinations. And I saw that we were losing losing the confidence of the public in some small ways and in some big ways. uh, And I didn't see that trend getting any better, which is why I founded the Vaccine Confidence Project.
2: How does it how does it operate and, and what are you what are you seeking to do?
1: The vaccine confidence project is based at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, but we have uh, collaborating partners, research institutes. Um, we work I continue to work collaboratively with UNICEF, with World Health Organization, uh, and increasingly with businesses. Um, how we work, um, it's its a very diverse team. We have uh, myself and another anthropologist, psychologist, epidemiologist, uh, big modelers, because we use a lot of data and we have to analyze it. We do a lot of uh, social media analytics. So we have computer scientists and, and digital analysts and communication. It's a bit of detective work in a sense. We, we look at the landscape. We see when new things emerge. We try to understand where they're coming from, where they're going, who's believing them and, and try to understand why. Because if we don't address the why, you can clip it off, you know, clip the heads off the weeds, but um, if you don't, if you don't get into understanding what's driving it, it's gonna be a very limited success.
2: We hear a lot about behavioral psychology and we hear about other aspects of uh, human uh, non, non, non-rational, at least non evidence-based uh, work or, or conventional evidence. What's the difference or the additive element from uh, anthropology to other fields of uh, studying human behavior in this way?
1: For one, I would never call behavior (laughs) non-rational because for those who make their choices, they find it very reasonable and they have their reasons. And anthropology looks at a broader context. Psychology is very much about psychological. Where they come together from between psychology and anthropology is more on crowd psychology. We see how individuals make uh, act differently as individuals. And when they're in groups of people that kind of embolden them to do things in ways that they might not do as individuals. So I guess there's a bit of intersection there, but anthropologists look around at other factors, social, cultural, religious, political, which is less in the domain of psychology, which tends a bit more to the individual
2: how vaccine rumors start and why they don't go away. How do they start and why don't they go away?
1: Well, they usually start when people are trying to make sense of things that don't make sense, uh, which is why I think uh, COVID has birthed uh, an innumerable number of rumors. And it makes, it makes sense in a way because you have human natures to try to make sense of things um, and try to simplify it and, and have it have meaning um, to them. And when that's not there, they try to put things together. We, I should say, um, try to make sense of things, make connections. And when you're in a situation like COVID, where even the science is evolving and not complete It's really a field day for rumor mongers. And and I think for just common people who it's pretty tough. It's pretty uncertain time. Uh, why they don't go away? There's huge variation in rumors, but there's also a lot of themes that keep persisting, and they kind of wait for an opportunity. Anxieties about sterilization and population, um, anxieties about being controlled, perceptions of the, and anxieties about the motives of other people. These are all kind of deep anxieties in people and communities, particularly if you're marginalized. And when you see things happening in ways that are you you don't understand, um, it it kind of begs you to you need to blame something or give a reason for something. And that that's what's made the current environment particularly complex.
2: People who think of themselves as very rational or science-based uh, have difficulty, I think, with uh, some of these reactions because they would say, well, uh, it's self-evident that, um, you know, uh, people are dying by the millions of this uh, of this disease. Wouldn't some form of vaccination be better than seeing your, you know, relatives or others uh, dying without any recourse but clearly there's something going on that that causes people to say well despite that I don't uh, think it's worth doing this or I'm not going to do it right now.
1: Well I've had conversations with people who have said you know I I know people are dying and I know COVID is really bad I just don't trust those vaccines it's not for me. Um, I've heard everything from Uh, anxiety about not necessarily, not even just this government, but the world government. I've heard people say they don't trust whether they're going to be counted or chipped or sterilized. And these are not like stupid people. I wanted to give a talk called, put your guns down. People are scared. It's, you know, we tend to think if people don't, sign up for vaccines they're quote anti-vax and that's really not what's going on in a number of cases there are the extremists but there's a lot of other things going on
2: that actually brings me to a, a topical one here in the us uh, as you know uh, the authorities here are now grappling with the issue of potentially pretty well educated young adults who are not getting vaccinated they may not be refusing to get vaccinated they just aren't bothering and uh, there's a view that this is imperiling uh, a broader level of immunity in the country.
1: Well, I think with younger adults, um, teenagers to young adults, they don't feel quite as at risk, partly because there's been so much focus on elderly and older you know, adults. But the reality is the more we vaccinate adults, the more we're, we're actually interfering fearing and pushing the virus into younger and younger ages so there will be more virus in younger ages there is we're seeing it but because younger people have stronger immune systems they're less fewer comorbidities they're less less at risk but there are vectors for spread so i think the the biggest motivation for teenagers and younger people to get vaccinated is that it becomes Freedom. <laughs> it lets them go and do what they want to do. Um, I think that will be more motivating than you know. This is this is good for your health. If it's going to let them go to a rock concert or you know let them travel with their friends, I think that's what will have, be a motivator.
2: Let's say I'm running a, a very large uh, U.S. Uh, company, maybe a global U.S. company, and. I'd like to have more impact on the behavior of the people who work for me in a positive way. Uh, is this the kind of uh, kind of campaign or messaging that they or their teams could pick up from your organization and then push out into their uh, into their system? Because you know, for example, I was speaking just the other day with a uh, CEO of a very large company who said, "Well, you know, he's fed up with um, this uh, resistance and uh, and refusal to or, or denial." And he's going to require that everybody get vaccinated in the company. Um, And I said to him, well, you know, you may find that some of your younger uh, employees will simply walk. There's lots of jobs out there at the moment. And if they're 25 to 35, um, they can go computer program somewhere else. And um, maybe you should take a different tack, perhaps like the one, uh, Heidi, that you've described. But it would be interesting if people like that could uh, access the kind of uh, knowledge about motivation that you that you just described? Is that something that they can or their people can pick up from you or should they be finding it somewhere else?
1: I think the, the starting point shouldn't be about vaccination.
2: Yeah.
1: I think if I were, and this is the advice mm-hmm. um, yes. I've been giving to a number of companies, is I would start with hearing out saying, listen, we, you know, we have to think through how we get back to whatever normal will be in our company. Uh, I want to hear how all of you are doing. Uh, how are you coping? What are the things you need most? How's your, you know, how's your mental health? And, and it doesn't have to be, I mean, if they're don't want to do it directly, what well, what we've been facilitating is doing some of that listening for them and then letting them know what the basic needs are. And then by starting to say, You know, we're keen to help you get back on your feet, get back to work, make make the work environment a safe one. Uh, And in the mix of those things, bring in vaccines. Um, I think it starts from where people are, which will already be a trust builder. And then if there are people that, despite all that, just don't have it in them to take the vaccine, Um, You either find them a job in the company that sits in a room that's not with the rest of the gang um, or they continue to work remotely if it's really an issue. And there are people who actually can't get vaccinated because of either immune issues or or other reasons, or they have to find another job. And but I wouldn't I wouldn't start from, a okay you have to take a vaccine to come back to work. Unless, of course, you're talking about a healthcare setting, which is a different story.
2: So, Heidi, it sounds like you're uh, very open to collaboration in both directions both helping organizations with this issue and having other organizations support you in your work. Uh, is that the right way to look at it?
1: Absolutely. We would strongly encourage collaboration, we would strongly welcome collaboration. And there's a lot that leaders can do to really make a difference in their own companies and for the community
0: around them. That's Heidi Larson, head of the Vaccine Confidence Project, speaking with Vanguard Network's Ken Banta. This conversation is part of the Vanguard Network's Vaccination Project. Our partner is Global Vaccination Advisors. Podcasts like this one are just one of the membership benefits of Vanguard Network which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us or more information about the vaccination campaign, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silber. Thanks for listening.